You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. with the world. You're trying to bring two diverse situations together when you do that. When you take God and the world and try to put them together, it causes havoc in your life. You can't do it. You'll have too much of the world to be satisfied with Jesus, and you'll have too much of Jesus to be satisfied with the world, and you'll walk around in constant consternation, constant trouble, constant agony. It's like trying to have one foot in the boat and one on the shore. It just doesn't work. Eventually, you're going to end up a soggy mess. Pastor Dave teaches us in today's message that God doesn't just want some of us. He wants all of us. Have you given your life wholly to Him? Or are you still trying to ride the line? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Ezra chapter 9 as he continues his message, God's Hand of Grace. This may sound harsh, but we need to look at God's Word as a whole. The church is one body before God. God is the head. If we don't deal with sin in the church, the whole church could be defiled. The whole church could be defiled. Ezra didn't even look up to heaven when he prayed. He was too embarrassed. He couldn't even look up at God and pray. I'm sure his normal stance of praying was his hands up, looking up to God, praying. I'm sure that was his normal stance. But he couldn't do that because he was so embarrassed. Israel had not learned their lesson. They hadn't learned their lesson. In verse 7, since the days of our fathers, this day we have been very guilty for our iniquities and our kings and our priests have delivered into the hand of the kings, etc., etc. We're all guilty. We haven't changed. We haven't learned our lesson. And this is what Ezra's saying. And then he says, we're unworthy of your blessings. In 8 and 9, we're unworthy of your blessings, but it's by your grace that you blessed us. Look back on your life today. Maybe even today, look back. You see God's grace? You see God's grace upon you even today? Well, if he got you up in the morning and kick-started your heart to beat again and give your breath in your lungs, that's God's grace. That's God's grace for you today. You don't know what else went on in your life, but we live by that grace. Look what the grace of God has accomplished in your lives. This remnant had returned from captivity. God had given them security. He established them as a people once again. He had enlightened their eyes to what new freedom and a new life was like. He had built a wall in Jerusalem for protection. He was their shield and strong tower. And when Israel was praying this, his heart was broken. His heart was broken. Ezra said, we're speechless before you. What can we say? You know, when you're guilty, you're guilty. What we need to do is admit it. We need to admit when we're at fault. Now, I know many of you never are at fault, but I am. Most of the time, I'm at fault. I have to admit, I'm sorry I'm at fault here. We are at fault. 
They were not supposed to touch anything that is considered unclean. They weren't supposed to touch anything that was considered unclean. Remember, Ezra is a skilled scribe in the word of the Lord. He knew it backwards and forwards. He had studied it. And he knew what would happen. He knew that when men and women go and intermarry like that, they would turn from God. They would go to idols and begin worshiping foreign idols. And this is exactly what happened all through the Old Testament. All through the Old Testament, you read it. It's exactly what happened. And Ezra knew it. And finally, Ezra said, God, we're guilty. We're guilty. And I love this. <laughs> I have to tell you this quote I read. I don't even know who wrote it. But it said, quote, guilt shuts a person's mouth before God, unquote. <laughs> yeah, it does. Ezra not only confessed their sins, but admitted that God had treated them better than they had deserved. What's that called? Grace. God's grace was with them. Grace, not getting what you deserve. And in this prayer, Ezra humbly is asking God forgiveness. He's humbly coming to God and asking for forgiveness. We know in Psalm 51, David says, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise, O Lord. In other words, sorrowly repentance brings someone to God. We need that sorrowful heart help repentance. What God really desires is you to have a broken heart over your sin. He's not requiring to sacrifice. He's not requiring to, to beat yourself up. He's not requiring to think. What is requiring today is that you accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That's what he's requiring of you today. God called his people unto separation. God called his people unto separation. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church a second time about some of the other problems that were happening. And he told them they shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. They shouldn't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And he says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, what the Lord's calling Israel, come out from among them and be separate. That word separate means to be holy. God is calling his people for separation. We are to be different from the world. We cannot have real communion with the world. We cannot have any common ground of meeting with the world. You're trying to bring two diverse situations together when you do that. When you take God and the world and try to put them together, it causes havoc in your life. You can't do it. You'll have too much of the world to be satisfied with Jesus, and you'll have too much of Jesus to be satisfied with the world, and you'll walk around in constant consternation, constant trouble, constant agony. When you're trying to join the life of the flesh and the life of the spirit, it's impossible. You can't do it. They cannot commingle. That's an unequal yoke. Now, this whole thing came out of animals. When they would yoke animals together, they would want one that was weak with a strong one. They would try to yoke the two strong ones together to lead the course. They didn't want them to be unequally yoked. God's called you to come apart. He says this, be separate, says the Lord. Don't clutch on the unclean thing. And the Lord God said, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. As a child of God, we do live different than the person who's not a child of God. You're expected to live differently, different by standards, 
different by purposes. If you only love those who love you, what does that do good for you? We're supposed to be different. Even the publicans do the same. But love those who hate you. Do good to those who spitefully use you. Pray for those who persecute you. And so you shall be children of your Father. Jesus said that in Matthew 5. Jesus is declaring us to be different. This is what God was trying to tell to the Israelites. Be different. Don't be the same as everybody else. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Old things have passed away, everything has become new. God now lays claim to you as his son or his daughter. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are now a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And he accepts you. We read this in 1 John 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For he that hath love of the world in his heart doesn't love the Father. The Spirit cries, be reconciled with God. The ministry of reconciliation. You can only be reconciled to God when you come into the life of the Spirit. Denying the flesh, denying yourself. That self-centered life. By taking up your cross and following Christ. That's the challenge of the Spirit of God in our hearts tonight. I hope that we can respond in Jesus' name. But see, why am I telling you this? Because this is what was happening in Israel. It's the same situation. The same situation. But they were talking about marriage. They were talking about being unequally yoked here. Yes, I don't think it's wise for a Christian to marry an unbeliever. Oh, but I'm going to make them into a Christian. That's not going to happen. Well, it might. But chances of it happening are slim. Very slim. But also... Unequally yoked could be your friends. If you're hanging around with nothing but non-Christians and they're your buddies and you hang with them all the time, you're unequally yoked. And you're going to go their way. I guarantee you're not going to bring them your way. Oh, you may bring one, maybe. But most definitely you're going to go that way. You know, I've said it a million times and I don't mind repeating it. As a school teacher for all those years, I would watch. I would watch as these A student young ladies would come into school and they would come in and they would come to my class and meet Joe Bozo. They would meet Joe Bozo, who was the class clown, who was the class goofus, who was constantly in trouble, constantly doing this, constantly that, and Glorioski, they would fall in love. She would fall in more love than he would fall in more lust. Anyhow, they would fall in love. And every time they got together, I never seen Joe Bozo become Joe Brilliant. What I saw was the sweet young thing become Miss Bozo. She dropped from being a straight-A student down to being a minimal student, probably getting kicked out. I've seen it a million times. Evil company brings down good habits. That's what the scripture says. And that's being unequally yoked. And that's a simple example, but our Life is new now, for our life is hidden Christ, and Christ is our life. We are hid in him. And to be unequally yoked now with a non-believer or with another person who is an unbeliever, that doesn't mean avoid them completely. Many of you probably work for people who are not Christian. You might work for them. You have to work for them, but you can be that way. We're talking about your mindset, what you want to do. We're talking about living the way God wants you to live. And I've chosen to end, to kind of sum all this up and what's happening in Ezra. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. I'm going to read them to you. Peter's saying, Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully 
upon the grace that is brought up to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Living the way God has called you to live means that we must gird up the loins of our minds. That must means we need to get our minds. We must renew our minds to what's happening. The idea is to prepare for action. It's almost like he's saying, roll up your sleeves. And the beast over just simply means to be control, in control of your mind. Have a clear head. Be clear-minded. Get rid of the loose and sloppy thinking to bring rational and terrible powers of your mind under control. It means to control what you think and those things you decide to set your mind upon. A condition to free yourself from any mental anguish or problems that is in your mind means having self-control. Having self-control, which happens to be a fruit of what? Spirit. Rest upon the hope of the grace that has been given to you. We've been greeted with grace. Told that grace came to us in Jesus. And Peter continues to talk about grace. Now he further goes on the writing of grace that is brought to you when Jesus comes back. The only way we'll be able to stand before Jesus on that day is because of his unmerited favor that he constantly gives us. And as I keep telling you, grace is not something that the past thing. It's a present day thing too. If we stand by his grace. As obedient children, we don't conform ourselves to the former lust as in ignorance, but we fulfill God's call for holiness as obedient children. Now, this all seems like a lot of things, especially when we're heard, be holy as I am holy. Well, that shoots me right out of the woods right away. There's no way I can be holy. There's no way I can do these things. Oh, but God has given us a way. God has given us a way and has empowered us that we can do these things that are called here for. He's called the Holy Spirit. And God has placed the Holy Spirit in you at regeneration. At when you become new, newly born. The born again experience. But he also says be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. Dunamis. Power to live the life that God has asked you to live. You cannot live this Christian life that God has asked you to live, to be holy as I am holy, to be separate. Remember, that's what it means, without the Holy Spirit. And if you're trying to do that right now, your head's probably bleeding from bumping into too many things. You're having a difficult time. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to do this. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You can't do it, and that's why God has sent the Holy Spirit to you. And he is given to you by grace, and we believe in him. We're to be radically different. How can I do that? By the Holy Spirit, by trusting in him. The Holy Spirit leads you into all things Jesus. He leads you into all things truthful. He will guide you and lead you. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He's the one that stands beside you. He's the one with you constantly. And he's the one that will help you through this whole thing. All the time. We need his help. We cannot do it by 
ourselves. We must have help. And this is where the Holy Spirit is. He is willing to give you the necessary power to live the Christian life. And all we need to do to receive it is ask. All we need to do to receive it is ask. It's a simple request. So maybe you're having trouble living this Christian life. Maybe you're having trouble coming out from among people and being separate. Maybe you're having trouble being this Christian that God has chosen you to be. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Well, yeah, it is. There's only one person in the entire history of the world that ever lived a Christian life on earth. And he's the one that went to a cross and died for you. His name was Jesus. It's the only person that could possibly live the Christian life. But we're called to live that way. We're called to be holy. We're called to be separated. We're called to come out and be separate, to be different. That people might know God through us. That people might know Jesus through us. That's what our calling is. And that's what I see was happening here in Ezra. These people are out there marrying pagan wives and having children by these pagan wives, and they're eventually going to start worshiping these pagan gods, and they're going to be drawn away from God. And this is what being unequally yoked means. When you are drawn away from God by someone, something, some people, or whatever. And when you are like that, you come out and you end up in a place where you don't want to be. A place where the Christian has no business being. But it happens. It happens. And when it happens and you realize that has happened, you need to do what Ezra did. You need to repent, get on your knees and cry out to God and come back to him. And come back to him. And he will restore. No matter what the sin is, God will restore. God's not keeping a track up there of your sins. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, they're gone. They're through. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They're gone. He's not keeping a track of them. We do. But get rid of it. Confess and move on. And let God restore you. Restore you. It's all about restoration. And this is what Ezra wants to do with the children of Israel who have committed these sins. He wants to restore them. And as we end Ezra, you're going to see that they do just that. Now, it's kind of harsh what they do. They don't kill. But what they do is harsh. And it's upsetting. But sometimes doing God's will is upsetting, and it causes other people not to understand. If you ran with a group and ran with the crowd, and all of a sudden you became a Christian and separated yourself from that crowd, they're not going to be happy that you separated yourself from that crowd. And they're going to wonder why you did that. And they're going to be angry at you because they think you turned them down, that you put your nose, stub your nose. You think you're holier than we are. No, I'm just different. I'm different because of Jesus Christ. I'm not that way anymore. I'm different. See, that's all God is calling us to be so that we can shine the light of Jesus Christ into the dark world. If you're the same as the world, nobody's going to recognize Jesus in you. Nobody's going to see him. Because you've got them hid under a basket, a bushel. You've got them hidden someplace. The light that is in you, you've hidden it someplace. Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See? That's what we do. And our good works is just loving people. Our good works is loving people who have never been told they've been loved in their lives. They're struggling, but they need to know that God loves them, and we love them, and God loves them through us. And we love them. 
I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not sitting up here saying this is really easy to do. And you have no, no, it's difficult, very difficult. But if we renew our minds to what actually has taken place in our bodies, the transformation of the old to the new, and if we put on that new man, as Carl taught several times, we take off those grave clothes, those dead clothes, and put on that new man of Christ and walk in him securely, never seeing ourselves separated, relying on the Holy Spirit to do the work, trusting in him with all our heart, it doesn't mean that you'll never not make a mistake. But it does mean that you're forgiven and you're walking in that forgiven attitude. And you're walking in that no condemnation attitude. Because God loves you. God loves us all. God loves the world. Those that are right now cussing him, those that are right now spitting upon him, those that are right now doing dastardly things in all sorts of names, God loves them. Enough to send his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to a cross to die for them. They just don't know it or haven't recognized it or have rejected it. They're the ones that we're studying about in the book of Revelation who are going to be left behind if they're not careful. But it's God's will that none would perish. God's will that all would come to repentance. That's how much he loves the world. That's how much he wants the world to show that love back by accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, believing that he died for them, believing that God rose him on the third day. This is what was leading up to it. And you can relate what's happening in Ezra to what I'm just talking about. You can relate it because it's the same thing. Ezra is telling them, you've strayed from God. You've disobeyed God's rule. Don't you realize that when one flick of the switch, he can wipe you out? He can kill you? But... He's having grace upon you, and he sent me to talk to you. And there's still a way out. You can repent and turn from your sins and turn from your wicked ways, and then God's going to heal the land, and you'll be saved. You'll move on, which is what they do in chapter 10. So there's a correlation there. You can see the same things happening. We're pulled by so many ways. So many sides are pulling at us, wanting our attention and pulling at us. It's tough to live the Christian life in the world today. But it was tough to live it back then, too. <laughs> it was tough to live it back then. But by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do it. We can do it. Not perfectly. I'm not perfect. There's nothing about me that's perfect except Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory. But when I get to heaven one day and I see him face to face, it all changes. And I will be perfect. And I will see him as he is. And he will see me in that clarity of perfection because of Jesus Christ. I can't brag on myself and say, I made it to heaven. No, 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 no. I was hanging by his coattails. I was hanging by that robe with every strength I could possibly hold on to. Even when he walked, he had to drag me. I didn't care. I'm not letting go. It's only by his blood, only by his blood shed for me. Amen. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave dove into the book of Ezra, a true story of the rebuilding of the temple. On any project God designs, there's going to be opposition. When it came to Ezra's time and the rebuilding of the temple, the enemy didn't want to see the Jews free to worship God in the temple once again, so he caused people to come against it. Have you found this to be true in your life? 
You're following the clear directions of God and seem to have favor, but along the way the opposition rises against the work, you can take that as a good sign that you're on the right track. No work of God goes unopposed by the enemy, and when you step into God's work, you step into the line of fire. But there's good news. God always prevails. When the plan is God's, He keeps it secure until the end. Don't give up hope when you encounter opposition as you follow God. You're in good company with thousands of Christ followers throughout history. It's always better to have a community around you when the opposition hits. And if you don't have that community, we'd like to be it. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Come see us soon, and you'll find all the information you need at assurehoperadio.com. While you're there, check out the other messages we have available to you, and click on the link for Facebook and YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. We love diving into God's Word together, and we'll see you next time on A Sure Hope. Oh